we are going to do something this evening a little bit different in continuing our series called Relation Fit. And uh, how many of you guys have been here thus far for the first two weeks of Relation Fit? So that's, that's really only about 25%. Um, I feel like it's probably more, but for some reason, people get nervous when we ask them to raise their hands. You think so? Yes. So if you've been here for the last <laughs> two weeks, just lift your hand real quick. Just with, with courage, with courage, the there's no fear. I yes. love you guys. Okay, awesome. Amazing. I, I, I always find it funny when we ask questions like that, because if everybody came every week, there's no way this room would be big enough to fit our entire church. It, I don't know what... I don't know what it is. It just must be like God, like handpicking. Yeah. One, one we day we're just going to all stand services. in here, sit on the floor like Africa. Maybe <laughs> not. No, no one will ever come I'm back. Not. Just kidding. I'm, um, I'm, I'm so we've been doing more. this for two weeks now, this uh, Relation Fit series, and it's all about becoming relationally strong. That's what the whole series is about. So the first week I kicked off talking about relationship with God, and then last week... Uh, one of the better sermons that have been preached in this house all year. Oh, Allison preached last week, can I get two good amens, right? I mean, she crushed it. You guys know. And if you, if you weren't here, listen to the podcast. It's incredible. Uh, she talked about loving herself. Uh, not just herself, but loving yourself. Teaching you how to love yourself. <laughs> the whole thing was just about how you guys can love me better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, exactly. You guys exactly. always do a good job. So this week what we're going to do is um, we actually wanted to talk about family. And uh, not just church family, not just community, we're going to talk about that, but also natural family. Um, how to do relationship with your siblings, how to do relationship with your parents. How many of you guys want to do relationship with your parents yes. better, yes. right? I, and I know there's well, a few I have people. parents, so... And, and we still, and my parents are here, I still right, want to do relationship with them better. Yeah. So what we thought would be super fun is to host a panel discussion. And uh, Allison's really going to host it since, you know, I'm their son and they're my parents. Yes. And this then, was my brainchild, I feel like. I made, that's I, true. I wanted this to happen so badly. <laughs> and here's why. Because Jeff and Melissa and Lyle's family journey and story I find to be incredibly beautiful. And I find it to be something that could not only bring a lot of encouragement to our family as we are all like on the journey of what does it look like for us to do relationships more efficiently and effectively um, with each other. But honestly, I, th I think it's a prophetic picture of what God wants to do through our families, not just this family, but our natural families, um, probably some places where some of us have lost a little bit of hope right. um, for what relationship could look like with, a, with your mom and dad or with your siblings. So I was like, Lyle, we have to have your parents in and yes. we have to do this panel discussion because I, I just love, I love being a part of the, the family, the Phillips family first and foremost, but I genuinely think that their story is something that could bring us a lot of hope, you know, so I know a lot of us in this room could use some encouragement and hope in the area of family. Yeah. You know, like, man, my relationship with my siblings isn't super great or my relationship with my parents hasn't been good for years. And, um, so we're gonna, we're gonna go on a little journey with them. Um, but also we're going to get the opportunity at the end, well, kind of towards the end of this, um, discussion, we're going to do live 
question and answer, not like you guys have to come up here and be brave and ask us a question, but we're going to do um, some text question and answer. So I, I don't know if we have the phone number that we can pop up on the screen. This is the phone number you're going to text. I know, 805. I'm not telling you whose number that is. But you can text in anonymously questions that you possibly could want answered about family. Like if something in our dialogue does not answer a question that's specific to you or your family situation, we want to talk about that and we want to answer those questions. So um, text, go ahead and write that number down. We'll keep, well, we can put it up there every now and then and again um, towards the end of this time together. But we really wanted to make this interactive, this a series can get long and it can get like a lot of talking heads, but we wanted to kind of do more of a question and answer uh, time, not only for you guys, but I wanted to ask them some questions and do this because our heart here at Legacy in Nashville, but also um, with Jeff and Melissa and Legacy Owensboro is that we do family really, really well. And that we not only walk out our our expression of family here on Sundays, but that when we go home with our spouses and with our siblings and our moms and our dads, we're doing that really, really well too. So we're gonna we're gonna go for it, which is huge. It is huge, and we just re- we re- we've really been feeling like um, you know this this whole thing on family is more and more and more important. Um, I love what Bill Johnson says: the light that sh- shines the furthest shines the brightest at home. And I think that's a really profound uh, statement because like so many people in the room, I know that for me, it's like I want to do something significant with my life. Any, anybody else in here? You want to make a difference, want to do something, write history, right? Uh, but we can't write history and, and, and pursue success, so to speak, at the expense of leaving our natural family uh, on, on the side of the road as, as casualties, um, of war, so to speak. So um, that's something we want to talk about tonight. So you, you, does it sound fun to you guys? All right. Good. Good. Awesome. <laughs> Do you guys want to say hi since we've been yes, talking the whole please. time? <laughs> What'd you have for breakfast? What I have for breakfast? <laughs> I actually had a uh, little thing of yogurt. yogurt. <laughs> Go big. Yogurt and coffee. <laughs> breakfast of preachers. Yeah. Yep. You got that morning service. That's right. Yep. Well, I had oatmeal with Isaiah. We shared it. We share everything. Well, because you have to share everything with Isaiah. He has the appetite of a 300-pound man. (laughs) It's insane. I don't know where he got it. You guys should change his diapers if you don't believe us. That's family. It's family. It's family. So we're going to kick off this evening... I'm gonna let I'm gonna ask some questions just to you guys. I'm gonna let them share a little bit of their family journey. Um, so I'm gonna start off with you, Jeff and Melissa. So if you guys didn't know, obviously um, related parents, there are three more boys that are part of this family unit. They live in Kentucky and one in Dallas. We love Spencer. We all know Spencer. Um, yeah. and, we want him to move closer back soon, Jesus. But my, one of my favorite things about you guys is how you have managed to get to this point in ministry, in family, and still all like each other and, like, want to be around each other. Right. Yeah. Um, 
I know that wasn't probably always the case, especially as you're trying to wrangle four boys when they are between the ages of, you know, zero and eight. And trying to manage that is probably pretty intense. So what were those early years like doing family? What was that like for you guys as you got married and started a family? And what, you know, what was, what was it like in the beginning with, you know, tiny Lyle, who was probably a lot like Isaiah, you know, so. busy. So what was that like for you guys? What was family like in the beginning? What did you start off with? Okay. Well, we were high school sweethearts, so we did start very early. Actually, I was, I was your first date when you turned 16, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we had those little rough patches in between, but we got married at 18 and 19 and had Lau a year and a half later. And, uh, you know, we were just kids. I mean, so I'm we, still only 40. So I'm <laughs> Stop that. You'd have had I'm me when you were 11. Is, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He always you, you makes me. me in a lot. Just stop talking. I have the mic. Okay. <laughs> He always, when he's preaching, yeah. he always talks about my stories and things like that. But when now I get the mic, see, it's my turn. So, yeah. But now, getting back to okay, we what we didn't we grew up in church in a way of you went Easter and Christmas, right? Yeah. And then when, but my mom took me to to church every Sunday, so I had a little history of church, so to speak. Um, mm. But when we got married, we were not in church. We lived that life of just craziness that everybody kind of goes through when you're out on your own. And then we had Lau and, and then I made a decision one day to follow, you know, follow Jesus. And, uh, he just laughed and just like, you go on, do your thing, whatever. But when we started having problems in our marriage, you know, I told him, I was like, we have to go to church and we have to go to spirit filled church. We have to go where there's action and it's not so boring. We have to, <laughs> And he just thought I was crazy. He, he, the first time he went, he's just like, I'm never going back. You know, those people are crazy. Because, you know, we were like, you know, just having freedom, you know, worship. <laughs> just, and he, I remember, though, you know, through all that, we'll skip forward a few years, is um, when we decided to make our, we, we decided to stay together because of Lao. You know, in a lot of, a lot of marriages, you'll see that they stay together because, because of the children, but nowadays people don't do that. You know, they're divorced, and then their second marriage usually ends in divorce. And but I wanted to stay together because we had Lau, not because I loved him, because we really hated each other. We really did. We hated each other. I mean, we didn't like each other. I mean, we didn't. It wasn't good. Wasn't good. And. Uh, but we decided to get in church, and we got in church, and, and then we, wow. you say that God taught you how to love. And then it's just one baby right after another started coming. <laughs> the Lord taught you how to love. He did teach you how to love. Taught us how to love. Yeah. So what the I had, Lord said. I had Lao, yeah, how to love. be fruitful and <laughs> multiply, right? Um, 
But within those seven years, we had four kids. And so my 20s were a blur because without lack of sleep and changing diapers and staying home all the time, it was very, very, um, I want to say rewarding, but yet very frustrating because if you're a new mom here or maybe you're expecting your first or second or third child, um, we didn't have nurseries then. It was like I was walking around with Lyle on one hip and the other baby in the other hip or and then pregnant at the same time and go shouting across the front. And I always said my daughter in laws will never my daughter in law will not be handicapped pregnancy <laughs> or use that as an excuse because we brought our boys to church, but I remember it was so frustrating because I would tell Jeff, I might as well just stay home because I'm in the back in the nursery or in the bathroom all the time because, you know, I couldn't really concentrate on God during that time. So it was, it was kind of a negative way, but yet I totally and relied and trusted on God to take care of my babies, no matter where they were from school. And now I found out <laughs> all these years, all those things you did, like, when you were in kindergarten, didn't you climb underneath the train as the train was going back? Or Yeah, we did do that. Yeah, in kindergarten. We lived right next to a railroad track. So, you know. We would wait tra- for the, we, it was, if it was going real slow, we'd climb in the middle and then wait for the wheel to go by and then climb out. So, you talking Four about boys. a praying mom? <laughs> yeah, so all you moms out there that you get really frustrated a little bit by coming to church and dragging your kids to yeah. church and... And, and just really relying and trusting in God to take care of them. I mean, some of the things that they tell me now, I'm just like, what kind of mom was I? You know, where were, where, where were, you know, yeah, I guess I was inside the house trying to sleep, I guess. I don't know. But my 20s were a blur. But turn that around. And I think I even kind of got jealous because during that time you were focusing on ministry and he would be up on the front row with all the preachers, you know, and I'm like, trying to be on the front row, but that was not happening or be in the very back, you know, breastfeeding and just, I mean, it was just crazy stuff like that and frustrating for me. But the way I felt I had deep inside of me, and you might feel this way, Allison, you have a word, you want a word, you want to be able to minister to others. And I always tell new moms, your ministry is your children first and foremost. Um, you know, is your children. I mean, you can take care of your husband too, but you know, during that time, the ministry, my ministry, I would also do my own Bible studies. We didn't have a computer back then. I mean, it was the WordPress, not WordPress, but um, word processor, like the old typewriters. And I would write my own Bible studies and have other moms over and they would bring their kids and we let our kids play and we would just sit down with the Bible and just go through things like that. I got my stuff from the commentaries and the just books, books in general. So even though I was frustrated, I still found an outlet way to be able to minister to my girlfriends and, and and then in the meantime, raise four boys because as moms, we are the heroes when our children are little, but then when they get to that 11 and 12 year old, then their dad kind of steps in and becomes a hero. But that's, that's my story. Yeah. And, you know, I think that oftentimes I look back and I think to myself because I, I was raised in a home to where my mother and father had their own business and things like that. So I was, I was raised in a grocery store and a hardware store atmosphere. 
And uh, so work and producing and making money was a big part of how I was raised. You're supposed to do these things. That was a big deal. And it became a big deal to me. So the point is, is that when we first got into church, I didn't really have much church background at all. Maybe some of you don't have any church background. I mean, literally, I learned, I knew some of the Bible because of watching the Ten Commandments. I, I knew who Moses was. And I knew who David was just because of some other story. And I certainly, I had heard and knew who Jesus was. Uh, but other than that, there was very little that I knew about the Bible. So whenever we first got into the church and we began to consider our lives in church and really what that looked like long term, I began to realize that I've got to get proficient in, in the scriptures. If I'm going to be what God, I felt like God was calling us, there had to be some change in my life about a hunger for the things of God. And so with that being said, we literally unplugged our TV for like a year or better. Never, didn't watch TV, didn't do anything like that. And we would, we had, all I had was a King James Bible. That was it. And uh, I would read it and I would be like, Melissa, what does this mean? I, I just couldn't get it. It, it was probably and, for about six months. I read children's and, and Bible literally, stories to you. She would read to me yeah. as we would sit in the bed and yeah. I would, she would read and I would say, stop, let's yeah. talk about that for yeah. a moment. What does that mean? Yeah. Now I'm 22, yeah. three years old at this yeah. time. Babies coming one after the other, <laughs> working straight commission job. Wow. And, and so on. But I, I, I totally gave myself to that and ended up putting myself through Bible college, eventually seminary, uh, acquiring my, uh, my master's in theology, all of these things at the same time as building a church, going to work, no pat on me, God gets all the glory, but, and then raising these boys. And, and these boys were full of fire. And, and and, and, and when I say that, what I mean <laughs> by that is, is that, I mean, it was prophesied over, over me and the boys, well, our whole family by Cindy Jacobs. And many of you know Cindy Jacobs or at least have heard of her. And, and she looked at me and she said, God's given you thoroughbreds. And that's never left me. God's given you thoroughbreds. And I knew exactly what she was talking about as soon as she said that. And I knew she was talking about the boys. And every one of the boys from Lyle, Bryson, Jordan, and Spencer, every single one of them have a hand, that God's hands upon them in such a way that it's, it's undeniably an anointing that, that is above anything that I have. And I'm so thankful for that. Because when we start rebranding and talking about legacy, that's our heart. Because I expect Lyle to do greater things than I'll ever do. And Bryson and Jordan and Spencer. And if they don't, I will be asking why. Because they've been given, not by me, but from the Lord so much. And I'm just so thankful for that. Because whenever we decided... Guys, this whole thing to me is about relationship and it's about presence and it's about passion. That's the truth. And um, she said the first time I went into a spirit-filled church, I said I'd never go back. That's exactly what I said. But the third or fourth time that I went to a spirit-filled church, I looked at it and I said, I can't do anything else. Because there was something there that, see, I grew up when I did go, I went to a Methodist church. I love Methodists. I love the method of the Methodist. They, they were filled with the Spirit of God at one point in time. There was a lot of wonderful things, and we need to get to the next question. But the point is, because we could talk about this all night, I guess. But, but the point is, is that 
There was something very powerful about that, and I realized very early on that my makeup, and when I say my makeup, what I mean is, is that I, I tend to get a little extreme. I lived, when I lived in the world, I was extreme. Yeah. I mean, we partied, had fun, we, yeah, we did stuff. <laughs> we did stuff, uh, and, and to me, it was just fun. You know, I was just partying. I was just having fun. And then when I got in church, that same passion for what I had in, for life in the world, where I was, run, I was ruining our marriage, mm. and then I got into church and I began to see something that I had never seen before. Mm. And I began to see God, because I had never experienced that before. Mm. And uh, whenever I began to see that, it completely radically changed me. And then when I got changed, I was like the same I was in the world, only it was for God. <laughs> totally. Yep. And that's, I think that's so interesting to note is that some, some people don't obviously know this part of your story. I know that people that have been running with our family, they know Jeff and Melissa, and they've known you for a while. But, um, you know, as God grabbed a hold of you, like... You guys had Lyle yeah. already at that point. What you know, he what they two, shared. He was two. Yeah. Um, it, he was a little boy, kind of probably being pulled around in the midst of some interesting stuff and behavior. Yeah. And so, I'm even for you. Like, how how do you think that that affected you long term? You know, because obviously uh, Lyle had a rebellious stage. In his journey with the Lord, probably very similar to the one that you experienced. Um, but what was that like for you growing up, watching your parents go from, okay, chaos to, okay, maybe some more stability? What was that like for you? Well, to be honest, like, I actually don't really remember a lot of, yeah. you know, bad stuff. I think that the earliest memory that I have, it is actually the mm -hmm. earliest memory that I have, which I think it's prophetic. Um, but we were living in a really small town called Marion. Marion. So how, how old was I, do you think? Two. I was two. Yeah. So uh, this has always stuck with me. It's my earliest memory in life. Uh, we had a swimming pool. Yeah. I don't know, above ground in swimming ground. pool or something? Yeah, in, ground. in ground swimming pool. Yeah. Look at us. <laughs> Country Club Lane. Country Club Lane. I, see, I didn't remember all that. I was two. But I remember the swimming pool. And, uh, yeah, my earliest memory in life is, Dad, you holding me under your arm. And um, you said, we're going to go under now. And, uh, and you grabbed hold of my nose and took me underwater. And, uh, and I was, like, looking around and everything. And... and <laughs> I just remember seeing, you know, below the water in the pool and then, like, coming up and just remembering, I guess, like, receiving basic trust. Like, uh, the whole thing of, I trust my dad. My dad has got me. I'm protected. I'm completely safe in his arms. And uh, it's okay to try something risky because I'm with my pops. Amen. And um, I really do think that was a prophetic uh, picture for me in my life. So, I... I didn't grow up thinking my parents are crazy, my parents are doing anything wrong or anything bad. I mean, um, I had a great relationship with my parents uh, as a kid, and to be honest with you, like, exactly what they're saying is exactly what I saw. 
So uh, for me, my best and most primary examples of worshipers and friends of God were my parents. So for me, that was my story. Um, I remember as a kid, you know, watching my mom, you know, shout like she was saying in the front. And I know the dance that she does and the prayer that she prays. You know, you know, you ever pick up on stuff like that about your parents? It's like I want to see it. What did I used to do? I know. I uh, used to always uh, used to always do this thing where you would like you'd tilt your head back. And, <laughs> and what do you do now? I don't know. I probably do that too. <laughs> if you ever make fun of somebody, then you end up doing yeah. it. You'd like wave your arm back and forth, and you'd and you'd always shout, "Mighty God." <laughs> Yeah, I remember that as a kid. <laughs> and as a kid, you know how your, your parents worship, it like bugs you? And you're always oh, totally. like, God. Oh. Mom, chill out. And, and when you started getting in trouble and I'd lay hands on you, what would I do yep, then? I, I remember that, yep. I, I mean, there would be times I would talk back to my mom and she'd be like, I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you know, and... So. I remember one time I said, that same spirit that you entertain... It's going to be haunting you. It's going to be right over there, and you're going to start seeing it. <laughs> Which I was, I, was already, I was already seeing that stuff. I remember that. Oh, yeah, you she were She used to threaten me that. all the time with, but, you know, we loved we each just, other. We just, oh, yeah. In the midst we of did. it. We, we, love, we, we still it, love you, each other. You got to understand, I was a bad kid, okay? So, just, you know, all that stuff being said, like, I remember watching my dad pray and like hearing him pray in the morning, like getting up, getting ready for school, seeing my dad over in the corner of the room, like down on his knees, like praying out loud. And I don't think that, you know, for those of you guys who are parents in here, I don't think you can underestimate like how profound it is to allow your children to see you pray because it, it really does mark their life. So if there was anything I knew as a kid, um, it was that my parents worshiped with their whole heart and that they prayed when no one else was looking. I knew those things for sure. And then um, some of my story, because I think that's, you're wanting to know like yeah. kind of how things went. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, I, yeah, my mom was hard on me for sure because I pushed all of her buttons and hurt her feelings a lot as a kid. Um, so you guys laugh at this now, but you don't understand. Mm -hmm. Like, I want you to think about, as a mom, I want you to think about when you're holding that baby just like I was holding Isaiah. It's just so cute. You just want to snuggle and all that. But then when they start talking back to you, and, <laughs> and my temperament is a controlling temperament. My control is cleric. And, uh, oh, my gosh, we were just like, I was about ready. And I, I remember. I, I'm, kind of, I'm a little bit of this. I have some of the same stuff. Mm -hmm. So she'd always threaten to ground me. And remember, you printed out that calendar and put it on the refrigerator. <laughs> hey, if you want to know how to take care of kids, oh my gosh, I've tried everything in the book. <laughs> All the way. The strong-willed child. And yeah. you had a pen, and you'd stand in front of the calendar. You say, "Say another word. That's another day." Okay, another day. Say another word. I'm done. Another day. You got anything else to say? No. Another day. <laughs> It was like two weeks. Yep. It's grounded. No, I, I mean, then, I'm telling then, you guys. And, I was... then, and then it was me, but then Jeff would come along, and they would say, hey, Dad, can I go over to so-and-so's <laughs> house? He'd say, sure. And I'm like, oops. 
Yeah, so when I was when I was when I was about twelve years old, some of you guys know my story, but when I, probably more so eleven, uh, I just remember there was an evangelist that w- that came to our church, a speaker, and he was prophesying to people, and I heard the voice of God say to me, "This is what you're called to. Like you're called to be a preacher and to operate in the power gifts of the Holy Spirit." And at that time, I immediately spoke back to God and I said, "No way, no chance. I'll never be a preacher. I want to be a basketball pre- uh, player." Uh, pre- Preachers are poor. I don't know why I had that idea, but that's what I said to God. And so for me, at that point in time, I checked out mentally, uh, in the maybe physically more so than mentally, but I just checked out of church. Even though my parents were pastors, even though they were doing their thing and trying to raise us as best they could, four boys, I just really didn't want anything to do with church at that point, didn't want anything to do with ministry and you know, I would talk back to the Sunday school teacher, and uh, by the time I was 16 years old, you know, I was sneaking around doing a bunch of stuff I shouldn't have, uh, taking drugs, abusing alcohol. By the time I'm 18 years old, I was already living on my own, still in high school, but I wasn't even living at home with my parents. Say so at that point, we were pretty much estranged, you could say, because we didn't see each other except for on holidays. And even though I was still going to school, doing my homework, uh, living in a drug house, to be honest with you, at 18, and um, arrested one time after the other, getting shot at, um, uh, getting put in rehabilitation facilities for drug abuse, um, shooting up, drinking, overdosing, the craziest stuff that you could imagine. I was doing all of that stuff and never seeing my parents in my late teens. And um, I remember one time, I think I was 20 years old, just to give you a little picture of this relationship that my mom and I had because she was so ticked off at me because I would behave like this. And I was just so mad at her because I was saying, you just stop trying to control me. Like, I want to have a good relationship with you. But every time I get around you, you're always preaching to me. Just let me live my life. Uh, maybe somebody else. Sounds familiar. Sounds familiar. But <laughs> I had gotten bit by a spider. Um, I was living in this house uh, with no heat, no hot water, pretty much living out of my car, really. But um I got bit by a spider in the stomach, and uh, it was just a really bad spider bite, got really infected, and it was making me really sick. Well, I didn't have any money at the time, and I needed to go to the hospital. So even though I was estranged from my parents, really, I called them and I said, hey, can you guys help me? I got bit by a spider, and I have to go to the hospital. And uh, my mom said, well, sure, I'll take you. And they brought me into this room, and, you know, they were looking at the bite and stuff, and they're like, yeah, that's what it is. You know, this is, this is really bad. You have to get this treated as soon as possible, and uh, we're going to have to lance this thing open um, right here, right now. And the thing is, though, about your stomach, yeah, it was disgusting. Uh, your stomach is that we're going to give you a shot, but the pain medication may or may not take effect until after you leave here because that's just the nature of, of, of having your stomach hit with this pain medication. Oh, it's because of so much infection. So much infection. And so they said, this is probably going to hurt really bad. And so we're going to bring in like six nurses, and they're going to hold you down, and we're going to cut this thing open. And uh, the pressure on it, I mean, this is it's so gross, but I'll just be honest with you. <laughs> the pressure on it is so is built up that it, like, when we cut it, it, like, could shoot out. Yeah. Had to throw that detail in there for entertainment purposes. Um, So I'm laying there, and these nurses start gathering around my hands and my feet because the doctor's got this scalpel, you know, and uh, about to cut my stomach open. And so I am freaking out because I'm like, I'm already in so much pain. 
you know, I don't know what's going to happen. They've already hit me with this shot in the stomach. And right before they hit me with that scalpel, my mom leans over and looks at me in the face and she says, how long are you going to run, Jonah? <laughs> no mercy. Yeah. Hero. She didn't have... It. So all that motherly tenderness that you guys think that... We did not... That wasn't the relationship that we had. That's why I became a counselor, because I scored really low on the mercy. <laughs> and I thought, I really need to start learning how to show mercy. And so that's the reason why I became a counselor, because I did... I scored really low on the spiritual test of mercy, so... Like maybe I should I, do something I mean, about it's that. like... You know, you better listen to me or you're going to keep running. Because so. you would always tell me, rebellion is the same as witchcraft. Yeah. Those demons are going to get you, boy. <laughs> I mean, I remember hearing that when I was like eight years old. So obviously we feel differently now about our and spiritual anger philosophies is a choice. and whatnot. But, anger is a choice. You know, right. Anger is a choice. Anger is a choice. And when she would get mad, we'd scream that, Mom, anger is a choice. <laughs> and, Shut up. <laughs> I don't know how you did it, I Melissa. Mean, last thing is, I mean, I remember we were telling stories the other day because all this now we look back at it and we laugh. But I mean, there were times when my brothers and I we were just so bad because Dad was working and we'd fight and tear everything up. I mean, we'd tear everything up. They could tell you other stories. We tore everything up, and um, you know, I just remember my mom like sitting in the living room floor like crying, and we're just like running around her like yelling at her and like throwing stuff at each other. So, like, I'm when I'm telling you, like, we had a colorful yeah. story, mm -hmm. it got cray. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why I said my 20s were a blur. <laughs> my 30s, I felt like I was just starting to come out, you know, when y'all were 10, 11, 12. I was finally starting to come out, feel like I could breathe. And 40s, it got a lot better. <laughs> Once they all moved out of the house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it is hard. It is hard. But. Anyway, go ahead. Let's. What's our no, next question? No, no, we're good. I, I wanted them to share this portion of the story for a reason. One, because I know that there's parents in the room that have, that have kids, and they're at this point in the story. And it's like, okay, we've done all that we know to do, and yet still we have a broken relationship or vice versa with a parent um, from a kid's perspective. You know, I've done all I can, but we have a broken relationship. And so I would love for you guys to share, um, maybe even starting with Jeff and Melissa, what were the tools, not even like just um, like not just practical tools, but what did the Lord speak to you about in the season as Lyle got breakthrough in his own life? Um, because I think that's important to note for, for parents um, of kids who are struggling with rebellion or if you're a kid and you're struggling to connect with your parents, um, not wanting them to control you at some point, you're just going to have to hear a word from God about how he feels about family and how he feels about the mother father, child, sibling relationship, and you're just going to have to lean into it um, and choose it again. But once, because once Lyle got breakthrough in his own life, as he starts coming back around to your family, um, wanting to be with you guys again, Lyle, if I, I can explain shortly, but Lyle lived, and he can even explain this for himself in a little bit. But yeah, basically, um, I just had a radical encounter with Jesus. Yeah, he had a radical encounter saved with Jesus in an apartment. 
Totally. And, and so he was like, I want to do family again. I want to connect with my, with yeah. my parents. I, you know, I don't want to have a bad relationship with them. Um, but you guys were a little bit gun shy to some extent. Um, the reality is Lyle had spent most of his late teens um, abusing and stealing from his parents, really not doing good things for their relationship. Um, and so what did you guys do as you would love him a ton, but as he's coming back around, what did what did you have to hear from the Lord in order to want to reconnect again, you know, and trust him again? Well, I, I think that through the whole thing that God continued to remind me that Christ never gave up on, on us. And so I always said, always said, I love you. I just completely disagree with you. I can still love you, but disagree with you. And, and this is, I think, something for family, and you might want to consider this if you haven't already. But as family, it's different than it is in an atmosphere, in a situation to whereby everyone always has to agree with one another. Because in an atmosphere where everyone always has to agree with one another, when you disagree, somebody has to leave. But in family, that's totally different. Yeah. We can have dinner together, all of us sitting there, all four boys, they're now wives, our grandchildren now, and we may have different philosophies about politics. We may have different philosophies, even how we're going to do church. Opinions. Opinions about everything. But because we're family, we don't leave and separate and walk away from each other because we don't always have to agree with each other to do family. And that's powerful. And if the church could get that, we would stop walking away from each other when we have a difference of opinion about a song or the carpet or the chair or the lights or whatever. Because we're family, we don't walk away from one another. Yeah, yeah. That's good. And I I think during that time when you come back around, there was like a trust issue and we're just kind of like you said gun shy like I don't know how this is going to work and and just maybe a little scared about that relationship and trying to figure out how are we going to bond it back together but you see during all this time we were pastoring and smiling don't let anybody tell you you can't do what God's called you to do and still have a huge thorn in your side right yeah, I mean, right. we acted like nothing went on, and totally. he would be in jail. Uh, we acted like nothing went on. <laughs> I, I, would, <laughs> I don't know. I think I, we, I would nobody a, knew I it, got a though. phone call one morning. Honest to God, this is the truth. I was, get, I was in my office at the church, and I was getting ready to go upstairs and getting ready to preach, and I get a phone call from Lyle. I'm in jail. Come get me. I'm like, dude, I ain't coming to get you. <laughs> you know, I'm in jail. Can you come get me? No, I'm fixed to go upstairs and preach. <laughs> I've got people sitting upstairs in the pews that need my attention. You yeah. can just stay there till we get there. Yeah. You know, after a while. Just as I mean, many just times a... of me being in jail. Oh, yeah. P.S. Yeah. And yeah. go up there, greet people, and, and act like, I say act. Yeah. You, you just we do just what you're called to do. And then you deal with these things when you're done doing what God, when God puts his, lifts his hand, then you go deal with that. One of the things that honored Jeff is he always did everything in excellence, and he always taught our boys to do everything in ex- excellence. You know, we never miss church. I mean, it was the the responsibility of a mother is totally different than the responsibility, and we know all of those things, but the responsibility of a fatherhood of making sure that God gave him these four sons to make sure that their spiritual 
being, their spiritual, the whole spiritual thing is all rest on his shoulders until they got old enough to, right. to be their self. So everything done in excellence. And I remember praying and asking God, you know, to help us through this whole transition, but to also, um, you know, to ask God different things that we were going through when we lived in that little two-bedroom house and we only had all four, all four boys were in one little small room, which was smaller than this little area that we're in right here and he would say take care of what you got and God will give us more and I I remember he would that you know our whole philosophy of everything from family was do everything in excellence and serve God and and allow God to take care of it. I remember one month that I had just gotten started in the insurance business and I ended up working in the in the business for 25 years one month made 72 dollars you know so I mean you figure out how that works you know, you just keep marching. You just keep marching. I, I, I remember one time looking at the other three boys and Bryson sitting there with tears coming down his face over some things that Lyle was doing. And, and the other, and I, and I come to the conclusion. This is where I had got, got come to in my mind. I will save these three if I have to let that one go. I will save these three. If he, I, I was, I honestly, you guys think I'm joking? I'm not joking. I had come to the place in my mind to where I was going to preach his funeral. Yeah. His roommate got shot point blank right in the chest. Kaboom, blew a hole straight through him. Yep. Now, yep. I mean, that's how real it got. Yep. And so I came to the conclusion in my mind, if I have to let him go, I'm going to save the other three. But what we didn't realize... <laughs> was is that God was doing something very beautiful. And, and it, it, it works out. <laughs> yep. You Thank just God. don't stop yep. praying. You yes. just don't stop doing the right things. Yes. Be faithful. You be faithful and you don't stop coming to church. You don't get bitter. You don't get cynical. You, you just keep worshiping. You keep praying. You keep doing what God's called you to do. And I promise you, you will come through that smelling like a rose. (laughs) It may stink in the valley, but it comes out perfect. And we're not done yet. Lord, we got grandkids. And uh, Lord, we're senile to believe that they're going to be perfect. (laughs) I know, but you, like, jump over so much as grandparents. I feel like they're, like, yeah. my, my parents are, like, they do no wrong. And I'm, like, you should be there at 2 yeah. in the morning. Exactly. But, no, I love that. I love that statement because one thing that I've learned about Jeff and Melissa and the way that they do family is that family equals faithfulness. That's right. And that's what I felt like as, you know, as I wanted to do this and talk with you guys about your family journey and what did it look like for you to go away, you to come home, and then rebuild a relationship. Because so I, I don't know if you guys knew this story, and sometimes we can look at, like, we've moved into this legacy time. Um, we've, we've, you know, become a church network at this point. But this is, like, this is fought for. Like, yeah. this is blood, wow. sweat. Tears, spider a lot bites. of tears, spider, spider bites. <laughs> it, it cost, Up in the it, middle of the night. It cost us something. And it I, cost I don't think that's something. unusual. You know, our story may be unusual, um, maybe better said unique, uh, yeah. because it's just our own story. You have your own story. Um, but now today we have the privilege of serving alongside one another, and I have the privilege of serving my parents along with my wife. 
um, and having a great relationship with my parents Amen. and getting to pursue God's calling on our family together as one, which, you know, I think you guys have heard a lot of like tough stuff tonight about our story. Um, but as God calls, you know, called me home to him first, that meant he also called me to restore relationship yeah. with my parents. Yeah. Because um, I think there's this, I think, I, think it's, I think it's bad theology to believe that we can get right with God and have great relationship with Jesus, and that doesn't mean anything for us and our families. Amen. Because that's actually not true. I, I think that God has a passion for us uh, to reconcile yes. and to restore our families. And, um, you know, obviously you can never control anyone and should have no desire to manipulate anyone. Uh, but th there is something about keeping your heart open and keeping your love on, um, you know, with your family and, and doing your best to bless them. And I, I think at, at some point, you know, it really paid dividends. And what we're doing today is the result of God speaking to us about doing ministry together as a family. Right. And um, we'll, we'll do a few questions and yeah. answers. But I just wanted to say that when, when I first started preaching, so to speak, the the fulfillment of that word that I received when I was 11, you know, I was sitting with my dad, my mom was in the kitchen, she had just cooked dinner, we were watching a T.D. Jakes DVD, because that's the first nine months of my saved life, my parents <laughs> discipled me through T.D. Jakes DVDs, um, <laughs> hand to God that. truth, right, you know, we we'd eat dinner together, and then we'd sit down in the living room, and we'd watch a T.D. Jakes sermon on DVD, preaching 101, mm -hmm. and we'd pause it. Yeah. And I'd ask questions. Same thing that, that yeah. you guys did together yeah. uh, when you were that age. And, um, you know, I remember one night saying, Dad, stop it. And he's like, you know, what's the question you got or whatever. And I was like, I don't have a question. I just wanted to tell you, like, you know, God's called me to preach the gospel. You know, that was a, I mean, I remember it was so powerful in the room. I was yeah. like, <gasps> you ever get that where you can't breathe because the Holy Spirit is like so on you? And I was like, I'm, I'm called to preach the gospel. And I just remember him saying, like, son, I've always known that about you. And for me, the reason why that was so huge as a son is because to know that despite my journey, you know, parents receive words about their kids long before the kids receive those words themselves. And for him to come back and say, I've always known that about you, was to really reinstate me in a sense uh, to my identity and call me into my destiny. And it actually rewrote my history. Everything that I had experienced from the time I was 12 to the time I was 21 didn't even matter anymore because the word I'd received at that age, it was like we'd never missed a beat. That's right. And I told him that, and he said, in three months, you're going to preach on Wednesday night. That's right. You know, dear Lord, who does that? You know what I mean? But he was like, you, you're called to preach. I've always known that. Preach this upcoming, you know, the, on this Wednesday. Here's the date, your first sermon, you know. And I, I still have that on an old iPod. I listen to it sometimes. It's terrible, but I cry when I listen to it. Um, was that one the one you plagiarized from T.D. Jakes? I, yeah, I'll put it on the podcast. I did plagiarize it yeah. pretty much word for word from T.D. Jakes. Um, <laughs> Because I thought that's the only thing I know to do. So, um, but but all all that all that being said, you know, there came a moment for me, despite all of our problems and issues growing up, where I was able to see the same thing 
uh, from my parents of who they were and what they were called to do. And despite our problems, you know, my mom and I, and even the problems my dad and I, I think my mom and I probably had like more animosity to get healed from just because of our personalities. Mm -hmm. um, but, but once that happened, you know, I was thinking, where do I move? Where do I go? You know, and for me, I thought I need to move across the country and I need to serve at a big church, you know, mega church that has global renown and serve a pastor that's written 20 books and is famous and, you know, has this heavy duty mantle to place upon me so that I can do what God's asked me to do. And in the process of preparing to do that, God spoke to me powerfully and said, Malachi chapter 4. You're going to be a prototype to this generation of what it looks like to turn the father's hearts back to the sons and the son's hearts to the fathers. And you and your natural father, who's always going to be your primary spiritual father, are going to do ministry together That's because right. this is what I want to do in this generation. I want to see parents and their kids doing ministry together. Not just spiritual parents, not just spiritual kids, but I want to see them doing it together. And that's, you know, I think... I think that's where we can maybe ask some questions because thus, here we are today, you know, legacy yep. doing it together. Yep. You know, there's one real quick thing is, is that uh, one of the things that Lyle said to me some time ago, and I, I give Lyle a lot of honor in, uh, today because um, he, he understands something that I, I wish that every 20, 30-year-old understood. And he, he, I remember, I don't even know if you remember telling me this, but one time he said, you know, Dad, he said, it is the son's responsibility to approach the father. Hmm. And, and that just was volumes to me. Yep. You know, that was volumes. And so if you're waiting for someone to make it right with you, yeah, stop go, waiting. Go for it. Yeah. Go, go make it right. Yeah. Do your best. That's all you can do. Sons, go to your fathers and get it right. Yep. So good. I love that. So if it's okay with you guys, we're going to take just an extra couple of minutes. I know we're right at 6 o'clock, but... Um I have a couple of questions from the audience that I'd love for you guys to answer. We're not going to be able to answer all of them, um, but we're going to answer a couple of them. So the, the first one, we'll just do two, but the first one is for um, you, Jeff. And I really wanted, I, I was hoping somebody would ask this question specifically um, because I find it fascinating. But um, the question is, how did you practically choose connection with your family while in full-time ministry? Um, and what people don't also know what that is, not only was he he in ministry at the time, but he was also, he was bivocational. So he was working and in insurance and in ministry. So how did you choose connection with your family and how did you protect your family from taking a backseat to ministry? And that's a tough question because I don't know how I did it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, because I, I just know that we talk about the bad things. I'll, I'll preface this. We talk about all the bad things. But as low as the low got, yep. the high was as, that much high. Yep. That, you know. So, I mean, the good times were great, but there were some very low times. Mm -hmm. But how, how we balanced mm -hmm. family with ministry was is that mm -hmm. they always come first. Yeah. They just always have to be first. And everybody has to understand, I can't buy you a cheeseburger if I can't buy my own son his birthday gift. Totally. And that's just an analogy. But they have to be first. And, uh, and so in doing that and placing them first and such, I think that it kept things in, in perspective that they didn't feel like 
nor Melissa. Take the boys, but your own wife. Right. Uh, when you have a ton of people around you all the time that are asking stuff, pulling at you, want time with you, want this and that, and we're all, I'm all about that. But I can't, I can't give people time that I can't give to my own family. Totally. Totally. And, you know, the boys were super involved with sports, and all they the were time. really involved. Um, totally. And yeah. exactly, you were the coach. You made yourself yeah. super available. Um, yeah. I yeah. obviously know that and yeah, benefit I don't, I don't that. Ever rem- I don't ever remember a time, like, my parents not being at my games. At a game at all. I mean, I played every sport. Yeah. Four boys, we all played every sport. And you guys made all of our games. Worked full-time, grew a church to over 300, planted another church, and then finally retired from business. And so had two churches, full-time job, and four boys, (laughs) and uh, never missed a church service. We were in revival one time, guys, for a year. I'm not kidding. That's the truth. Is that not the truth? We were in revival one time. When I say revival, you know what I mean? We were having meetings four or five nights a week for a year. Never missed. Never missed one. No, and I love that. And I I remember that. As a kid, I hated it. (laughs) I was like, like, church church again. again. Church again. I want to watch cartoons. Come on. America's Funniest Home Videos. That's what I wanted to watch. Get in the van and shut up. I love it. And you know what's so funny is that now something that I watch Jeff and Melissa do really, really well is rest. And that's something that Lyle and I have chosen to emulate in our own lives is taking time for themselves and really learning to love each other really well and not apologizing for the time that it is to be with family. And that's something that I feel like you guys have done super well and definitely probably has contributed to not only, you know, your kids growing up, but me now and our, you know, Isaiah and the next grandbabies that are on their way, like, you know, feeling super loved and valued because when we're there, it's about us and it's about family and connection. So here's the last question before we pray over you guys this evening. And this is something that I, I would love to hear, um, Maybe Melissa, Lyle, one of you answer this, um, but it's what advice um, or what would your advice be to someone who grew up in church with their family, but their parents were hurt and now are cynical and somewhat repelled by church um, and anything that has to do with church? And is there a limit then to the depth of relationship that you can have with them? Because, I mean, that's a really good question. How many Great of us question. have been in that? Ex- even even with your kids on the converse side, like, they're kind of repulsed by church. How do you, how do, you do relationship with them? Well, I think as a uh, mom, I would continually to bring my children up and, um, you know, to go to church and just like God, because they need that stability and they need that relationship with God. And if my parents, and my parents were not always in church, right. and, um, but I remember every Father's Day, I'd write my dad a note, you know, all I want for Father's, I want for Father's Day, for your Father's Day, is I want to take you to church. And I never would give up on them. I remember that. Yeah. I would never give up on them. And, oh, wow. uh, but when I'm doing counseling now, and then, you know, but you don't want to put yourself or your children in the mm-hmm. risk of, if you have to go there and there's, if there's sin, I'm just using right. sin there, you don't want to put your children in risk of, of that type of nature. Right. But, um, you know, it's to limit your time because okay. you don't want your children exposed to, even though that's their grandchildren, you know, grandparents. Totally. You don't want the, the children exposed to 
that behavior. Mm -hmm. totally. Yeah, that type of behavior. Yeah, totally. So you can still love people at a distance. I think I think yeah. it's a it's a, it's it's a tough thing to navigate because church for so many people is not family. Church is an organization, right? You know what yeah. I mean. Church is an institution, and so what I've found is that for a lot of people who say I hate church or you know the church has hurt me and I don't want to be a part of church anymore, is they're not talking yeah. about the family of God. Yeah. They're talking about a bad experience totally. that they've had with a few people mm -hmm. uh, in what they consider to be an institution. Yeah. And so, you and know, you really... we have to live it. We have to yeah, live it yeah, to be exactly. an example. You have to kind mm -hmm. of detox a little bit from the whole idea of the institutional church, mm -hmm. if you will, I think, and just be incarnational Christians to those people. You don't have to invite them to church. You don't have to, you know, say, come with me on Sunday. Just be the church, you know, just love them right into family. And at some point, if they they're... They'll come, you know, and if they don't, like, just keep loving them and something good will come of it as a result. I can, I can guarantee that because there's a lot of people that I'm great friends with who don't come here and who won't come here, uh, but I know they love Jesus. And I know that the best thing I can do is not berate them with invitations to come to church. I don't, I don't take that card out there that says you're invited and give it to them every time I have coffee with them. <laughs> You know what I mean? I just love them. I ask a lot of questions, and anytime they throw stones at, you know, at the church and they, they say bad things, I just remind them out of relationship. Like, hey, man, I just wanna, I, I want you to know that when you say it, it hurts my feelings. It's not that I have to get religious and defend my church, but I just share my heart and share my feelings. When you say that, that actually really hurts my feelings because I actually really love what I do. I love our church, and it's also my heritage. My parents are pastors, and now, you know, I'm a pastor. And, you know, so it's like just share your heart. Just be yourself. You don't have to invite them every Sunday. Just be who you are and let love get them. Yeah, so that's what I would say. I would say a great, you know, finishing answer to that is if you do have people in your world who you are, especially family, that you're having a hard time seeing eye to eye with, do your best to get God's perspective on the situation. That's good. And, and remember that he is the God who never gives up on us. And that's so his heart for family. And as we're closing this evening, I'm going to have everybody stand up because I want to pray over you guys. Because I feel like as we share this testimony, you know, for Jeff and Melissa, for Lyle, to share this testimony of what it looks like to have journeyed... Uh, in family, down a rocky road, and then come to the other side and say, look, mom, dad, look what we've done, you know, and get to hug your brothers and not feel that sense of fear and anxiety. I want to pray over us because I know that yeah. we all have families. We all have moms and dads. We have varying degrees of relationship with them or connection to them. Um, or we have spiritual moms and dads that we have varying degrees of relationship and connection with. And I just want to pray over us because I feel like in this season, God is wanting to do something in our family here at Legacy Nashville. And I think across the body as a whole, and I, I would be so bold to say that God wants to upgrade us in what our definition of healthy Absolutely. family is. I think we've coasted along as a church body, being really comfortable with our definition of family being the brothers and sisters in Christ. And that being like, that being all and us letting go of responsibility for our own natural family. And I actually don't think that that's God's heart for us. And I know that that's 
maybe a little painful for people, and especially for those of you who maybe don't have moms and dads or siblings close by or even living, and you're just wrestling out, what does it look like, God, for family to be in my life? And so I just want to pray over us this evening. Ministry team, you can actually go ahead and come to the front, and then even Jeff and Melissa, Lau, I'd love for you guys to pray over people because I have this feeling that some of us are going to need a reminder from God, what does family look like for me? So if you could, if you want to just hold your hands out in front of you or put your hand over your heart, because God, we want your definition of family for us. And we say that all the time. But God, we really genuinely want your definition of family for us. And we reject any definition of family that's not yours for us this evening. And we choose to embrace the process, the journey that is family, that it doesn't have to be perfect to be family. That family was birthed by humans. It was birthed in the heart of the Trinity. It was birthed in the reality that it's life on life and connection and chaos at some points in the journey. So God, I just pray over every heart, every person here, knowing that we all have a family. We all want a family experience with our natural family that you have for us in heaven. So God, I just invite heaven here now, heaven's perspective on family, and I release faithfulness into this room. I release faithfulness into marriages. I release faithfulness into the hearts of moms who felt discouraged by faraway children. And I release faithfulness into the heart of children who have frayed relationships with parents. And I just declare over us that we are a family who will not be stopped by disconnection, that we will actually be unsatisfied by a picture of family that doesn't look like heaven's definition of family. That as we pursue each other and as we pursue your perspective for us, for family, God, that we would be transformed. And I even just want to say, if you have an experience with an abusive family that feels like not safe to connect with, don't hear me saying or us saying that that is something you have to pursue for the sake of heaven. God knows what is right, which is why we have to get his perspective first and foremost. His heart for you is love and adoration and safety and family. So if that is your experience, then please don't hear that. But get his perspective first and foremost before you reject the idea of connecting with certain members of your family. And if anything else that we said that you're like, I just totally disagree with that, no problem. <laughs> Even if you're leaving, you're like, I'm kind of wrestling with that. That's okay, too, because that's what family's all about. We, you know, we're presenting what we have right now in this season to the best of our ability. We're going to grow in this all together. And we knew that starting this series and talking about relationship might be a little bit yucky at times because there's a lot of things that are unknown. But we're willing to take the journey because we're doing it together. Amen.
Amen. Well, we love you guys so much. Remember, this Thursday we have Creative Expressions Night, and we want all of you there. If you want to be there, you're all invited. It's at 7 p.m. here in the sanctuary. Otherwise, you can come, get prayer, hang out with your friends. We love you. We'll see you back here next week at 4 p.m. And if you got kiddos, now's a great time to go snag them because we are a little bit late. But if you do need to receive prayer, would like to receive prayer, please don't hesitate. Come to the front. Love you guys.